0: The idea that you could sell, my my, my legislation says there can be no more than eight bullets in a round, okay? And by the way, if they do, that means, not a joke, everybody, that's why we were defeated in in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. What the hell are you talking about, you freaking lunatic?
1: Welcome back to Liberty Matters, where Sean and I are discussing current events through a Christian and conservative lens, because liberty is the crossroads where Christianity and politics meet. So, Sean, I know I had that little surprise for you because I didn't really tell you what the intro was going to be, so I figured that'd be good so you can hear Gaff giving President of the United States we have in Joe Biden, and how he believes there's eight bullets in a round, and 54 <laughs> states. <laughs>
2: so That was a good opening one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't I know care. we had 54 states.
1: It's impressive. I think he's challenging Barack Obama's ability to count. So, um, I mean, look, last time he told us there was two words that were made in America. So, here we are. Uh, with that, actually, I'm going to jump to this. We'll roll a message right from our sponsor, which comes from a, a made in America company, which is three words, unlike the previous gaff that we ran from Joe Biden, which said he thought made in America was two words. So, um, let's run this uh, advertisement, and then we'll jump. Be right back.
2: Do you look for American-made products? I invite you to check out JNS Supply, a small Texas company where we built our brand on God, family, and country. We provide quality, limited-run American-made clothes. Our current run is relaxed-fit t shirt Use promo code Liberty to get fifteen percent off your order. Come to JNS Supply.co. J N S S U P P L Y dot JNS supply.co Co. God, family, country.
1: All right, and we're back. So there we go. We have the, uh, a good show today. It's going to dig into something really about in the, what's going on in society that we're seeing a, uh, a concerted effort and attack on Christian faith and Christians and people of faith and religion overall. And there's this effort and this idea that the left wants to kind of merge white nationalism, which, and which can come from individuals that are racist and believe in this idea from like, this white supremacy. And they want to relate that and say this is in connection to Christian nationalism, which these two things are not the same. But they want to merge that together to conflate the idea to make you think that Christians, you shouldn't speak, that Christians should be silent, that Christians shouldn't have a say in society. So the question we're going to ask here today, and we're going to break that down um, and really kind of debunk the myth of what they're trying to merge together there. Uh, But before we do that, Sean, I'm going to say, buddy, how's things going? I know it's been a busy, hectic week. So um, how's it going? Doing well, man.
2: Busy, uh, but we're getting through it. Yeah, I think we're coming to the end of sports, so we've just been nonstop sports.
1: Yeah, no, it's always like I said, it's that fun time, and plus it's
2: Halloween, so you guys got any plans? Yeah, I think we're gonna just go through the neighborhood. I think we have really good um, neighbors, community. Everybody comes together yeah. and, and has a lot of fun. So we'll probably go walk through the neighborhood for an hour or so.
1: Yeah, no, that'd be good. Like, yeah, I think we're we're gonna be doing the same, but obviously having my uh, young kids, it's a uh, they won't last that long. Um and B, really the hunt for candy is for me. So <laughs> it's that's the well do I'm gonna take the, opp- the The wagon. I do. And the wagon that's is where it. it's at. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right there. We gotta break that out because we're gonna see to your point, helps them last longer. And then man, I gotta get more candy. So <laughs> it's like I said, it's about me. And I'm gonna then use the opportunity to teach my ch- kids a economic lesson of uh socialism <laughs> we're gonna redistribute their candy and see how much they like it <laughs> eight eight for me two for you and you don't get to keep the fruits of your labor and you're gonna be happy about it so at least on the upside like you said in texas it's always good like all right, yeah we have a good community for it here people all get out and it's kind of fun because even like they'll put out trick-or-treating for candy but for parents they start putting out like well like beer <laughs> so it's like they'll put out like beer and other like truly's or other alcohol or stuff like for parents yeah, I'm we like, had the
2: nice. one neighbor that had the airplane shots of a fireball.
1: Yeah, see that—that's my—that's my, that's my kind of neighbor. I mean, they understand, like this is for the kids to enjoy um, the experience, but at the same time, the parents gotta survive it. So <laughs> it's um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, definitely, let's jump into it uh, in this show today. Like I said, it's gonna be what we're going after is really this idea that. What you're seeing from the left, what you're seeing from the Biden administration as they've been weaponizing the DOJ, um, arresting pro-lifers and Christians and other stuff. One thing after the next is this idea that's pushing Christians into this corner to say that you shouldn't have an influence on society or culture. And the question we're going to break down and ask today is, should they? And kind of debunk that myth, because I'll tell you flat out the answer right now is yes. (laughs) So... Uh, So we're going to break that down, and we're going to lay out the case of what, why, and how. And with that, we're going to start off, and I'll include this article in the show notes, uh, and it has to do with an article from CNN from July 24th, earlier this year, by John Blake. That's called An Imposter Christianity is Threatening American Democracy. Now, look, I'm going to include this. You could read it. You could go through it. I'm not going to waste our time, Sean, sitting here and actually like really cherry picking talking about this article because it's a waste of time and it's a perversion of reality. And they're trying to say, like we said, this idea of white nationalism, which they've all tried to skew was everything around the January 6th. And they're trying to now relate it even through imposter Christianity is to go after linking January 6th to Christians and say it was a Christian revolt in the article. They talk about it and it's it's. Try and again, merge that identity of saying, "Oh, it's white Christian nationalism," and get that conflated idea, and make it connected to this idea that you should be silent and not have a say. And oh, look, now these Christians—they're all supporting violence—and that's not at all what's occurring here. I'm not going to actually go through and really waste too much of the time about like talking about reading through things. That article—I mean, everyone—you can go through and look at it. Right they're, what they're trying to say in the nutshell is that Christians are trying to erase the line that separates politics. As a key characteristic is a key characteristic for white christian nationalism and that's not trying to release the line they're trying to say we want to make this nation a theocracy trying to say in this article that christians are trying to revolt and force conversions of people to christianity and we're trying to make this a christian nation when you read through and look through this article this whole article is a complete misrepresentation of history the founding of the United States, which was actually on Christian values, based on Christian values, not founded as a Christian nation. They pervert the idea of separation of church and state, and in particular, they continue to pervert throughout this article, Christian faith. And to point out that piece about separation of church and state, I mean, this is again, so historically wrong that there, because there's absolutely nothing about that in the founding documents or the Federalist Papers, even at the time that anyone even believed it. What you do find is that's from a – that they try to take this and skew the what it means because they take it from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Church in 1802. and So it's again – they just try to pervert this idea of separation of church and state when it was never meant to be in that reality. And that's a whole other thing that we can get into in another episode, really dig into because it's a big topic. But it was never meant to be as they try to make it today, and that's ever been ever since – Uh, Even things in the 1960s, was it 60s, 70s, whatever, like the Lemon case before the Supreme Court, they wanted to throw God out of school. You start saying God taking out of school, the Bible out of school, all these things out of school because of something that was wrongly interpreted for separation of church and state, which was not the case. And even in the Coach Kennedy recent Supreme Court decision, guess what, everybody? The Lemon case just got overturned. So all that precedent just got thrown out the window. So that's why in Texas now, you're starting to see schools turn around and say, put God back into a school. And it slowly put the Ten Commandments up in, outside of uh, public buildings. So these things are happening. Um, so we need to be awake. That's gonna be much more coming forward, right? So again, this whole article, it's a complete misrepresentation. And we've talked about how they misrepresent history before. When we talked about George Washington's inaugural address and how they rewrote history, claiming that he was a deist by removing the mentions of George Washington's Christian faith, when they rewrote the book, The Maxims of Washington, the guy who rewrote it the rewritten version was a failed historian John Riley. Now, in the original version, as we've previously talked about on the show, in the Maxims of Washington, written in 1855 by John Frederick Schrouder, it clearly laid out ample evidence of Washington's Christian faith and Christian values and his belief system. But the same fashion of the failed historian John Riley, they do the same here in this CNN article attacking Christianity. And nonetheless, it shouldn't be a surprise because, well, it's from CNN, so. It's, they continue down this complete perversion of reality. And at this point, they're just a waste bin of delusion. And this is why their CEO keeps talking about that. We need to fix this thing and start firing more people. So maybe maybe the CEO should do a, what Elon Musk did and tweet a photo of him walking in with a sink and say, let that sink in as they start firing people. Because because these people, they don't really understand what's going on in the world. And they really need to start getting a message of the, what actual truth is. So again, this article... The only reason I'm pointing this out is because this is what we're about, hold hold debunk, and I'm not going to waste too much more time talking about what they're actually getting into. But I will point out the errors of what they're saying in this article because there is no credible person in this nation that is saying the United States of America should be a Christian nation. Like that assessment itself is just a lazy way to say that you don't understand the true history of the United States. That being that this nation was founded from biblical and Christian values and was founded as a nation that believed in religious freedom for all religions not founded as a christian nation and that point needs to be very clear because from a christian faith that you can't force conversion upon somebody they have to come to faith themselves through their own will and their own free choice you can point them in the direction but you can't actually force anything upon them and god wouldn't want that because you need to choose to actually follow his path and it's that means he wants people to come to him at their free will not of force um, so, again, it's a complete perversion of Christian faith and a misrepresentation of history when you think this nation is trying to be forced into a Christian nation. Uh, and this is the exact problem that we have that gets pumped into our education system, this failed understanding of history. And it's been a full-fledged effort for over 100 years. And it's this Howard Zinn model that's this disgraced version of history that they tried to rewrite history back from Howard Zinn's – what was it? The People's History of the United States or whatever that book that he tried rewriting on history in. They keep trying to take that mindset and at its core, it's again, a complete misunderstanding even, even as like why we had a revolution from England. And one very important fact in the reason of why we had a revolution from England was that England had a state sponsored religion under the church of England. And after Christians went through the reformation, many didn't believe in that. And that's where the pilgrims came due to the reformation to get away from it, to find a place that they can freely practice their faith. And one very important piece to that. I mean, heck, Sean, maybe we'll dig into this later. I don't know. It might be something that we'll dig more into though because Thanksgiving's coming up and we could actually talk about the true history of Thanksgiving. And it's not just about, it's not stolen land. It's not this perverted Howard Zinn model of history, right? It's why they actually came. And it all came to, because they left from a country that had a state-sponsored religion. And look, I, well, Sean, I, and I even just got this, right? I just got a kid's book that is a private reading to my son. That's all about like the, um, Thanksgiving and the true history of it from, from the pilgrims and how base all their relation to, to God and basically how they, everything I left them with the King and how he was trying to mandate that he wanted to false, have them falsely worship him and all that. Right. Might just have to make it down to break it. If we have, I'll say more from like leftists. than when they listen in, maybe I'll just have to read, have story time and we'll have to read the children's book. So it may, it might be at a level that they'll actually understand the history. So, <laughs> But
2: Yeah, we could do an extra show
1: for Thanksgiving, story time. Yeah. I know, just read the children's book at this point and see if it clicks into any of them. But um, anywho, so this uh, idea, it, what you, you see on the opposite side of this is attacking Christian faith, right? But, but what they're doing is bringing in this religion of social justice and social gospel, and it automatically gives leftists a free pass. While we're seeing this movement against actual true religion, faith, and biblical doctrine go under a full-fledged assault. From the Biden administration and leftists today, and you see churches that are, Look, they're sitting here remaining in fear. And why? Why are their church? Why are churches not speaking out against the LGBT movement on abortions, the transgender movement, um, gender mutilation surgeries for minors, on crime? So far, too many churches being afraid afraid to speak the truth. As th- what? What are they afraid of? Right? Because they're focusing on being afraid of the government. So who are they listening to? Are they listening to God or are they listening to the government? are they afraid to lose their tax exempt status or are they should they be standing in the truth and speaking from the word of God. And because we're not to live in fear, but for the fear of God. And um, now look, it, it's not our job to change hearts and minds, but we're, we are called to bear witness and we're going to keep beating this drum. Um, because we're called to be the salt of the earth. And when Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth, that was back when salt was used as a preservative, and which is done to de- delay the decay of meat. Um, and they didn't have freezers or the technology that you know fossil fuels gave us the ability to have today. Although, I mean, the way we're driving the country today, maybe we should start storing up on some salt, Sean, because uh, <laughs> they're trying to destroy fossil fuels. So I don't even know if we're going to be able to freeze meat soon. <laughs> so... I've been looking into canning myself, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point though. Um, and so like when Jesus points this, he points this out further and he says, I kept you here a little bit longer so that you can be a preservative. You being the salt of the earth, you being a preservative. I mean, he pulled, when you go back to the book of Genesis, he pulled Adam from the dirt, the salt of the earth, right? And to be a preservative to others, right? So he wanted people to be called... To be here, be the light in the, in the darkness, we are called to reach out to people, to give them an opportunity to be around just a little bit longer to save their own lives, to save their own eternity, right? And save their own for their, uh, to have salvation. But that still needs to be of their free will and choice to do so. And absolutely nothing is to be done of forcing it upon somebody because that's not actually you wouldn't make a, someone actually come to faith because they would actually be against their will. Um, now, one of the main tools the leftists are using again to try and do this today is to align and create this fake doctrine within the woke church of or social gospel. And in doing so, they're creating a few tactics, tactics to shame and push Republicans and churches into silence and a few myths that they're trying to do, as we mentioned, to push Christians into the shadows. And if churches, churches think this is a winning message, living in fear is a winning message, that couldn't be farther from the truth and it sure as heck is not a biblical worldview i mean like sean like how did that work out for the german church in the 1930s when they just said we need to focus on preaching the gospel and keep burying their head in the sand right um what evil transpired by them doing that now you turn so let's turn jump into 2015 you had church membership in the united states under u.s adults was at 57 percent we have since then seen the ramp of social justice and the attack on the church. And honestly, it goes back to even uh, before that. But we'll use this as a frame of reference, right? So by 2022, the church membership in U.S. adults is down to 47%. So that's a 10% decline in seven years. But jumping back into 1999, church membership was at 70%. So that decline should shock churches as we are fighting a spiritual war. And yet they still sit here today and remain silent and afraid to speak out as it continues to dwindle. So as the evils work and transpire in the world, they're just afraid to speak up, right? So you don't need – and again, you don't need to consider yourself religious or a member of a church or someone of faith. But if you do, you're now a minority in this country, and you need to be aware of where your moral compass is because these are moral values don't come from us. As in my truth, They it comes from – Outside of us, what right and wrong has been given to us from God. It was Ronald Reagan that said, if we forget that we're one nation under God, then we'll be we will be a nation gone under. Reagan knew the plan hatched to subvert the United States even back in the 1980s. And I'm not saying any of this today is what Reagan was when Reagan was dealing with the 80s, is because of Russia, right? That's a whole different conversation, which we can get into. But the left and Democrats have fully taken up the strategy and the tactics that were being pushed out there purposely into the United States, right? And now you have a Democrat Party that has fully mainstreamed the ideas of ideological subversion that is used to brainwash U.S. citizens and foreign diplomats. And as as I'm going to play a clip here that will help you understand, this is coming from a guy that was used to be in – russia he's a russian former kgb um where this was exactly his job this and this goes back to earlier point about rewriting history that this plan to change america has a long been in the making and the leftists has been playing the long game and the and republicans and americans just have been basically blind and asleep at the wheel the whole time and basically people are waking up but this is what we need to do to continue speaking to have people wake up now this clip is with yuri Besmanov, who was a former KGB Russian defector who escaped to the West in the 1970s after he was kind of disgusted of seeing what the Soviet system was turning into. Now, he's a ex- he was an expert in Soviet propaganda and disinformation. With his job, actually, he was in working for the press, which was a cover for the KBG. Well, what did I just say? KBG? So it's the KGB. And. <laughs> um, Uh, As mentioned, his job was focused on brainwashing foreign diplomats when they visited Russia. So here's a clip of the interview conducted by G. Howard Griffin from 1984, um, where Yuri is warning America about ideological subversion. Now, this is an hour hour and a half long interview. I'm only going to play a portion of this so you can really understand the part about ideological subversion.
0: Well, you spoke several times before about ideological subversion. That is a phrase that uh, I'm afraid some Americans don't fully understand. When uh, the Soviets use the phrase ideological subversion, what do they mean by it? Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves their families their community and their country it's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, f- in four basic stages Uh, The first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually, it's over-fulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously, not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his... Experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization.
1: All right. Yeah. So Sean, there we got, that's the Yuri Bezmenov, a KGB defector laying out what ideological subversion is and the first stage being demoralization. And here we are 40 years later and it's pretty much gone exactly down that path of a Mar- Marcus Marxist ideologues dream. And that what he that what he's discussing right there, that whole point of demoralization there's, I mean, look, there's way more to this whole interview. That's stage one. And stage two is destabilization. And we could look around and easily make the case. Are we already there? Are we in the process of it? I mean, he already said even then that they already thought they were at the point of demoralizing the United States of America, which gets back to history, but lesson from Howard, the Howard Zinn model, and they've worked in trying to demoralize America and make people believe they need to hate their own country. So now you come into this path where you have the Biden administration, liberals and everyone trying to push this influence away from truth with propaganda like we've never seen in this country, and it's coming from our own government, and it's coming from our own U.S. citizens. And this is, as Yuri Bezmenov said, it comes to a point in that America has no moral values. And that's exactly why the left and, they, and everybody knows they need to wipe out Christianity and faith and religion in general because that comes as, with a moral compass of objective truth. So they need to take that away, right? So they need to separate you from God. They need to separate you from your salvation. And they are pushing you to wrongly worship things such as the government. This idea that the government will be your savior. They're creating false gods, false idols. This is truly about good versus evil. This isn't about Republican versus Democrat. And yes, you hear me and we'll say this more often then it seems like we should. And when we say that because we're right now talking very heavily against the Democrat party and the left, but that's exactly because they found a home in the Democrat party. This idea and this sinister nature has taken up hold and taken home within Democrat party. And this is exactly what we're seeing, what happens in from a, how a totalitarian regime operates and they know their number one thing, like we said, is to eliminate religion because they're, They need you to fully submit to the government's will, and people of faith are the hardest to sway. So, as we made it clear throughout the show, we are going to continue to debunk these type of myths. And this is why that article from CNN is just such (laughs) delusional. And because one massive myth that they try to talk about is and push this idea is that the left continues to push this idea that Christians are seeking to merge Christianity and American identities merging both Christian faith the America's constitutional republic. And this is a misrepresentation purposely done by those trying to eliminate religious freedom from this country. This statement or viewpoint is one that is solely in a position that waters down and undermines the understanding of Christian faith. It is meant to stigmatize Christians into silence and to accept their secular world views, pushing Christians to have no say and basically, like we said earlier, to have no influence in the world, to make you live in fear. This could not be any farther from the truth. They further aim to target Christians with this pathetic label of white Christian nationalism. Like we said earlier, trying to blend and conflate two different things, Christianity and white nationalism, white supremacy. They're trying to make Christians believe you're a bigot, you're a racist. Like everything else, they're trying to wrap everything up in this racist bigoted titles because they believe that's the way to silence people because they've seen it all throughout the BLM movement, everything. People are just lining all up and remaining to be silent and they can get away with absolutely anything like you saw Antifa and BLM literally burning down cities. And this is all a false attempt by the left to claim Christians are these white nationalists, these racists, and bigots. And this is purposely thought out a well-planned path they know they need to separate religion from the populace they need you to crave a larger more expansive and central controlled government they need you to worship false idols and government leaders and to do that this is why we've seen this growing war on christianity and really people of faith and regardless of their religion by the way i think it was just even just recently shown. i just saw i was um so in the pennsylvania race right now for senate with John Fetterman is like everything else you expect the left to do. Uh, John Fetterman's wife was out there doing an interview and she now apparently told us that swimming is racist.
2: Yeah. That's the Biden family number
1: two. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, they're not all there. <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress. It just, I thought that was entertaining. I was like, it just came to me when I thought about the, uh, there, everything's racist. And I was like, oh yeah, she just called swimming racist. Now who knew again? Now it's swimming's racist. But anyway, to understand all this in this lie about Christianity, we need to understand Romans 13, which details how the government is instituted by God to be God's minister. God institutes governments to promote good and punish evil. And it is the duty of every Christian to influence, vote, speak, inform, inform the government, influence their politicians on what God calls good and evil. Now, what we're seeing today in this country, Sean, We're seeing the exact opposite. We're seeing a government that's promoting evil and punishing good. So this leads us into the next big myth, this anti-religion leftist movement, is that Christians, again, like you said, they're demanding to institute a theocracy. Now, a theocracy is a system of government where priests and religious leaders rule, which again is flat out wrong. Even if you've ever done one iota of homework on this, you would understand that our nation was founded for the exact opposite on freedom of religion for all was again, like we mentioned earlier, that was the same thing. We had a revolution, got away from England because they established a state religion that goes contrary to biblical doctrine and free choice. And it was actually finally time they decided, decided when they understood from the Reformation movement that it was time to try something new. It was time to try the great American experiment, which was founded in the United States of America. And our whole entire system of government was in the US was set up to be the very first of its kind. Never before has a nation been led by the people anywhere in the world, anywhere throughout history the people rule, not religious leaders. Influencing society and cultures is not about creating a theocracy. It's just having a voice. So you hear all these leftists say that everyone should voice their opinion and and have a voice. So why shouldn't Christians? Um, I mean, do you see, if you shouldn't have influence, are they going to start saying that their dark money groups and lobbyists should all not have influence? Should they all sit on the sidelines and be quiet? And you know that's absurd because they absolutely won't do that. This, in the structure, when our government was set up, this was the first of its time where we flipped upside down the viewpoint of what was the setup of government to actually represent God's vision and kingdom. And to be clear, this is not about making God's heavenly kingdom here on earth. These two are not to be confused. As Christ makes it clear, his kingdom is not of this world. However, that the statement itself relates to the origins of Christ's kingdoms is not about the location of His kingdom. So the authority and the power of Christ's kingdom are drawn from a source outside of this world from God, our Heavenly Father. This is done when Christ came in the flesh to save God's children here on earth and to make people think from a kingdom mindset and guided by his authority outside of yourselves and outside of this earthly world. But to visualize this, look, sorry, let's put this into a visualization from a top to bottom, how the US was set up. The US was set up this structure at with God at the top then the people. And below that at the bottom is the government and the politicians. A system set up to rule by the people and not religious leaders. And now all throughout history, it was the exact opposite in the reverse. Now you had you would see God at the top and government or religious leaders being next, the next tier. And at the bottom was the people. Now I'll tell you, you see this in many corners of the world today, that people are subject to the government. Just look at China, right? And in many the most cases, the government's these governments believe to themselves to be God, like go and just go read the book of in the Bible, go read the book of Kings and Judges and see how that worked out for people. This is exactly what we're even actually now seeing in the U.S. starting to change today. But they're doing this by trying to circumvent the whole constitutional system and use corporations to put this in place through public private partnerships without your say. They're trying to put themselves now where they government and corporations, all this were below the people because in government, you control people by your vote. In business, you control people by your dollar, and they're trying to put themselves now above you to tell you how to live your life. And God's view, he created, these, he created the three institutions. He created the family, he created the church, and he created the government with very unique roles. The role of government is laid out in Romans 13, 3-4. through four. Now it says, For the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free... From fear of the one in authority, then do what is right, and you will be con- commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you are wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Again, that model, like we said, God is um, the position was God created was to promote good and punish evil. This was done to be created by creating just laws, and as this. Good and evil is what's defined by God, not by ourselves, not by my truth, not by one individual to determine for everybody else, from a dictator or a leader, what is good versus evil. And it's the Christian's role to have influence on the government and how the laws should reflect God's view for good versus evil. To sit here and say Christians shouldn't even partake and not have a say is absurd. Wrapping it up as Christian nationalism is a stigma that they, again, use mean to silence you. I mean, to correlate that to white nationalism is even more sinister. When it's not even remotely related to the same thing, and now as a Christian, because as Christians, belief equality for all of the human race, not a division by by the color of your skin, beliefs, or any immutable characteristic. There is only one race; it's the human race. That right there is the pure evil with what they want to push in this mindset and this idea of what they're coming from the left in this social gospel, right? And what it leads to is pushing pure evil of committing sins of favoritism. James 2: 8 through 9, or the sin of partiality, James 2: 1 through4. Or, I mean, maybe the sin of committing judgment of one's motives. That's in James 4: 11 through12. or the sin of judging one by appearance. That's in John 7:24. or the sin of spreading false reports in Exodus 23, or James 1:12, Psalm 5, second 2 Peter 2:13, 2, 1 John 4, 1 through6, or Jude 17 through23 and on and on and on. And the reason I went on to mention all these lists of um, different verses throughout the Bible, because as a Christian, we need to take in the full counsel of God on all these various matters. And now every single one of those points to exactly when you take in the full counsel of God, how wrong the social gospel is and how this woke church is pushed in from a leftist ideology to overthrow biblical doctrine and pervert God's word. Now, Think so if you think back to that CNN article, they're not taking the full viewpoints of the Council of God, they're taking it to misrepresent pieces out of context and as cherry picked. And if you do that, if you cherry pick one part of it, you can basically make any case for anything you want, any false case, right? And as we made it very clear, um, the case here stands that as Christians are to have influence on their government leaders, and if you take this, the leftist perverted version of influence as it's just an idea of a hate group, well, I mean, look, you can wrap up anything into this something nationalist view, right? So you can have, which would be flat out wrong. But for example, I mean, you could have LGBT nationalism, climate change nationalists, you could have Antifa nationalists, you could have black nationalism. Um, and basically any group whatsoever that is coming from a point of view, whether right or wrong, you could wrap it under nationalist banner and you can call it, it to basically silence it. And you'll never see that from the left because you know it's not real. You, you know it's a farce and you know it's conflating to something that's not true here. But today, they want you to believe that evil only comes from one side. They keep trying to pretend there's violence from one side. But yet, the, when you actually look at your life, look out the window, look in your city, look down the road, where's the violence coming from? Who's burned down cities? Where's the crime rates occurring? You can look at yourself. You don't need the reporters and everyone else to tell you what's happening. Because you can feel it and you can see it, um, but they want you to get to a point where you can't believe your own thoughts, believe your own eyes, and even believe your own ears. Um, all, and so all this comes into the same bucket that they want to label everyone in some way to silence them, right? So this is why the left continues to come up with these divisive labels on people as opposed to saying, yeah, we're all one human race and we should come together and unite together to figure out working together. So again, this fake label of Christian nationalism, it shouldn't scare Christians or anyone else into silence. What it really is, is a position of influence and having a say in your society and your culture. And it's not remotely about theocracy and it's not remotely about racism. Even further, there is a, when you take it deeper, it's a, there's a massive difference from Christian nationalism and a theocracy of establishing a state-sponsored religion. As this concept of influencing your government, leaders as Christians is instilling Basically, if you go back and look at the Ten Commandments, what you're doing as Christians to influence is instill the second table of the Ten Commandments. So you need to go back and actually see when Moses was given the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, there was a division of the Ten Commandments into two tables. And this was very purposely done as a representation of God's worldview. And this further implicates the future coming of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Now, but let me explain that. The Ten Commandments have the imagery of the cross. Do you have a picture in your mind of something vertical and horizontal, right? So you have the, the commandments one through three on the table show the vertical relationship between you and God and the representation of the church. Commandments in the other table, four through ten, show the horizontal relationship. Thus completing the cross. This imagery was not by accident, and uh, so like that's how before even Christ ever existed, before He was ever sacrificed, the imagery was already ingrained in the story in the in the giving of the Ten Commandments. Right. And these commandments show the focus of man's relationship horizontally with his fellow man. This second table is what Christians are to help influence the government to represent. And this is the basic civil law that the government's supposed to ensure. As in Romans 13 says, that's what the government's supposed to do as they are ministers of God's vision, law, and government. Right. So that's what they're supposed to be installing and still supposed to be ensuring for people the rights granted to you by God. Um, These are the negative liberties that we've previously talked about. And so this is a very important point for Christians are to have influence on the government towards this second table. And this is not about creating a theocracy. This is not about forcing anyone to convert. This is not for me or Sean or anyone else to do. That cannot be done but for someone coming to Christ themselves and only through the Holy Spirit can do that, right? So, And it was the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 3.24, therefore the law is our tutor to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So law doesn't save us, but it does show us the path for us that we need to be saved. And that's whole, the whole lie of Christian nationalism is completely debunked nonsense, aimed again, as we mentioned this, to silence you to not have influence on your government. I say this, it sounds repetitive, but it needs to be repeated for it to set in for people, um, to not live in fear, to stand in truth. And that can, act- can actually be said. For what the left is doing today as we previously talked about this environmentalist movement is a religion in its own and they're demanding you to force you to worship false idols falsely worship the planet and christians christian influence on the other hand has nothing even further to do with this idea of forced anything or the merging or spreading of american nationalism like that's the next myth right it's this idea of spreading americanism it does however have God called all nations to honor him, but we understand all nations are different and have unique cultures, different backgrounds of history, some good, some bad, right? So this idea of getting a nation to honor him may look very different in one nation. And you see this across the world and it's not something that's unique to America. So you can't say it's spreading Americanism because Christian faith is worldwide, I think there's what it was like three point eight something like three billion Christians in the world out of whatever seven billion in the world. So it has nothing to do with America. The last time I checked, we only had three hundred thirty million people, and they're not all Christian. So since you have these different <laughs> different nations, it has led to a very misrepresented and misunderstanding of what even Christian nationalism even is. And you have the left purposely in the media trying to misrepresent it to take and make you think that it's about spreading Americanism and. It's about spreading the state religion and enforcing conversion. And again, it's a constitutional republic. Thus, you have representatives in place to voice our views, or well, at least they're supposed to voice your views, right? They're trying to subvert all this. So the, this gets to right to the point that there's another myth out there about Christianity and Christian nationalism that it's only means to care about to care about your country. And again, this. What they're talking about is it's spreading like is obsessive patriotism, like they're trying to attack, attack patriotism. That couldn't be farther from the truth again. But I like, I can see where they got there since for decades, we now have seen this movement from the leftists and liberals, believing that you must hate your own country. And you see around every corner, the Democrat party today in some areas of the Republic party as well. So let's think about this mainstream liberal view. It's been ingrained in our education system. You're supposed to hate your country. Does the scripture call for you to love your neighbor? Yes. But does it call for you to love your neighbor by hating your own family? I mean, I would say it most certainly doesn't. Paul tells us the exact opposite in 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those in his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So again, I ask you, are we supposed to believe that we're not supposed to take care of our own? Uh, are we supposed to hate our own household? Are we not supposed to take care of our own country? Another piece of this myth and debunked, it's a lie again. So now we cleared up what some of this Christian nationalism lies that go around. It's important for us as Christians to do our duty and influence society in a manner that is pleasing to God, right? And one of the main ways to do that right now is voting. And you've heard Sean and I start talking about this. And um, look, the tide's turning. The people in this country want to take this country back and people are waking up and the Democrats are damaging the country and the patriots of America must choose liberty and unite. And stop them at the ballot box. But if you want to destroy America in addition to the food and fuel shortages, then, you know, go ahead, vote Democrat. If that's the path you want to go down, continue to hate your country, that's what they have on the table, right? The republic is being destroyed by people who hate the founding, pro- hate prosperity, and that's what this election is really about. Because, again, if you don't vote, this isn't going to stop. If you don't, as a Christian, voice your opinion and get out the vote and drive to have a say and to influence your society and your culture, you don't have a, you're not going to have a say in your sure. And I'll tell you one thing. If you look at China where you have to have an underground church, you're not going to even have your church anymore. It goes down a path of pure evil. Because again, when a government starts promoting evil and punishing good, every time in history, it leads down one path versus another. So one key thing to think about when voting is we need to know how to assess policy and everything we do in life as Christians is through a biblical worldview. And that, look, that's the whole point of the show, right? We're going to assess stuff from a Christian and a conservative lens, that worldview. And again, this is one way to have influence on our society around us, right? So the vision, and I will say, look, this actually comes back to reminds me of a, the verse that's the vision of the show, right? So this vision of the show, which we haven't mentioned in a while, comes from 2 Corinthians ten five, which says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient in Christ. So we take everything we do, which includes politics, voting, and make it obedient to Christ. Christ didn't say we're supposed to seclude certain sections of your life because um, God's omnipresent, right? So he's everywhere at all times, right? So it's not a position to say, okay, well, I don't, this gives me anxiety or I don't like this or this seems too much and I need to bury my head in the sand or just not do or not involve as a Christian because I should remain silent. That's not what you're called to do because without that, how are you influencing your society? How are you helping bring people and show people? The better path for their life how are you showing them the path that if you're supposed to be the salt and the earth how are you doing that if you're not doing anything how are you doing that if you're sitting on the sideline like at this point it needs to come to a position that you have to get up off the sideline get up off the bench and actually get in the game so again for example i'll just look one way of kind of how you how this sounds like how to assess something i'll say look on this pro-life this idea and belief which look it comes out of founding that we've driven this throughout the show is it being a pro that pro-life position is the question when it comes to how do you assess this right so from a biblical and a theological perspective The question you can say when, because, okay, so when does life begin? So how do you assess it from a biblical and a theological perspective when you're having this argument with somebody that says they're pro-choice, you're pro-life, you know, they can't say when life begins. From a Christian, yeah, you can, because did did Christ come as a fully grown man or did he come as like a child? No, he came to the world as an embryo in Mary. So we need to understand from a bit these things from a biblical and a theological perspective and why we are pro-life to talk about being created in the image of God. Talk about that from Genesis. Talk about the inherent dignity and worth of human life. So again, this is how you assess things, your thought, your process, what's going on in the world around you to be obedient to Christ. And everything we do when we continue to talk about and why it's important to be involved and to have a say, to have influence on your political leaders and to voice your opinion, again, comes back to do not be silent. Get out to vote in overwhelming numbers so much so that they cannot avoid But but to listen to us, but to listen to you, but to hear your voice. Basically, all those to hear and speak for a position that says that we still care about liberty and freedom in this country. Uh, And again, to do that, so we're going to turn from this session, like why it's important to voting and want to lean the way of where we should get involved. Sean, let's dig into a little bit of across the landscape of kind of like some of the updated polling, where things are currently at. I know we're in the middle of like early voting is already going on Uh, and what are we, yeah, I mean, look, we have like a week out.
2: There's a lot of close races across the country. Uh, yeah. And there's some exciting ones too. Like Carrie Lake is, I think
1: she's pretty much got it. Uh, and yeah. She's so I'll say, really that's an interesting, well do you know, do you have, so Carrie Lake, I think like, she's a powerhouse. She's really phenomenal. I, I think she kind of puts like the Christy Gnomes and the Nikki Haley's like in the, in the corner. <laughs> cause they can't even hold the candle to her. Um, if you've actually seen her speak, like she is really good commands a room. Like she's phenomenal, which is also why, I mean, Sean, like if you have the polling number, I just want to see, do you know what the latest kind of polling was that we, I think we are looking at the Trafalgar group. Cause I will say Trafalgar group, more than most actually has a polling metric that has actually, um, been the most accurate and continues to be, have been calling every race pretty much right since 2016, 2018, 2020. um, because they're a lot of these pollsters are just turned to complete junk because they, again, don't understand the actual Republican Party and conservatives or any position whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Carrie Lake, I mean, dude, she she's a powerhouse. And Katie Hobbs, who she's running against for the uh, governor, it's she doesn't even want to debate. She won't talk. She sits in hiding. I mean, yeah. they worked for Joe Biden. They didn't actually campaign him. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I think. Um... My favorite one has been election betting because they kind of take the combination of a bunch of different uh, yeah. polls and they have her winning eighty eighty one 81% to
1: 18%. All right. If it was ever actually a poll, I don't think any election will go 81 <laughs> when <laughs> like you're lucky to get a landslide at 70, but well, at I think least it's it's, uh, it's to give you the idea.
2: Confirm that she like, it's like, I guess it's yeah. maybe like the odds 81% she's going to win.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to see. So Arizona
2: but then you look at Pennsylvania, California. right? So you, I mean, look,
1: even in the Trafalgar group right now, they still have Carrie Lake. It's 49.2 to 46.4%. So okay. you're with 3 over, up by 3%, right, roughly. Um it's a tight race, right? Arizona's tight, but it is she like Arizona really needs to wake up. Um Katie Hobbs is hasn't even come out of the woodward to even talk to anyone. And even when they do, it just gets worse and worse every time she speaks. Yeah. So, I mean, it's within the margin for error, but I'm not, I, I really like if Carrie Lake wins. Arizona does what she says. There's that. She has a future, uh, a future presidential potential run. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So we got there, the close one over in Arizona. What do we have? Trying to think across the board. Oh, Michigan. He, okay. So I'm just want to bring one up real fast in Michigan. This is another one of the potential for the Republicans to flip. That, again, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who's been an absolute disgrace to even in her debate like last week, she was, she, she was Tudor Dixon, who's the one running against her, representing the Republican Party. Tudor Dixon has been really solid and kind of obliterated Gretchen Whitmer. Um, I mean, Gretchen Whitmer, I think she's the same one who said she only shut down schools, what was it, for three months? And that was almost a year and a half later, that, like, the schools were still shut down from COVID, and she was the same. Gretchen Whitmer, I don't even know how this is even this close of a race. Gretchen Whitmer was the same one, Sean. Wasn't she the one that was, like, regulating people, buying seeds? Like, you're not even allowed to, like, certain things you couldn't even buy in the stores?
2: Yeah, didn't they also uh, fake her kidnapping?
1: Mm. Yeah, when they worked in partnership with the FBI. Yeah. The FBI fakes your kidnapping, right? So, again, so right there you have a real close one, uh, a potential in Michigan, right? Um, Tudor Dixon, really solid, solid pick. Um, what else do we have? We have the Oregon.
2: Oh, Oregon looks like it's going to go red.
1: Oregon could be a big surprise, right? So, you have Tina Kotek for the Democrat um she's 40.4 and right now from this from the trafalco groups polling um christine drazen who's at 41.7 percent. right so those aren't the betting odds those are the polling die data but it's the that's a that's a real interesting race right because oregon's been hammered portland's get hammered i mean they don't even talk about it like the portland courthouse is like continued antifa wants to keep like uh actually breaking into and Firebombing, but you hear nothing about it, right? Um, I think a lot of Oregon's getting a little pissed off about that up there. So hopefully, I mean, that could be a big one and a big Oregon opportunity. That one flips. That would be huge. Yeah, there's a
2: lot of tight races. It's going to be interesting to see how much of the, uh, you know, red wave everybody's expecting. Yeah. Um, And another thing that's going to be interesting is how many states that are predominantly blue get a republican governor but stay democrat in congress in the senate right or vice versa right so yes yeah, so i wonder if it's going to uh, be a total red sweep or if it's going to be you know still a 50-50 mix of maybe a, a republican governor but a uh, democratic like so
1: that goes to uh, a state that to your point right so this goes to a state that actually just blows me away you can there's no freaking way that you can first of all in the Pennsylvania race. So you have for governor, uh, Josh Shapiro and Doug Mastriano running for the Republican. Josh Shapiro, the Democrat. But this guy, again, was an absolute abomination. He was a part of this whole process of undermining the elections in 2020, um, Josh Shapiro, and violating the voter laws and not going through the right constitutional amendment process. And somehow, he's still significantly up 52.8% to Doug Mastriano, 435 right? And you still have, and it's a neck and neck race for the Senate with John Fetterman for the Democrats and Dr. Um, Oz for the Republicans. Now, I still, there's been a massive shift because again, I don't even know how they're puppeting this guy out there, John Fetterman, because the guy has no idea. Look. Yeah, Biden didn't even mention him when he was there. Sorry, the dude. Yeah. I mean, look, he had a stroke. Don't wish any ill will upon anyone, but the guy is not there. Um, If you take that aside, he has very deep socialist beliefs, uh, and he has horrible decision policies, plans. He flip-flops any way you go, and and even during his debate last week, he somehow for years has been trying to bash fracking and fossil fuels, and he tries to stumble his way through saying he stands for fossil – for oil fracking. Yeah, so, he was
2: he was going back and forth because they asked him, they called him out on it. You know, they're like, Oh, historically you said you don't support fossil fuels. Yeah, the
1: one in like twenty eighteen they called him and, out.
2: Right. And and he mm-hmm. just he froze. He was like, I, 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 I don't I support fossil fuels,
1: right? So Yeah, he's like, just, I support oil fracking. And like it, yeah, it's yeah. It was a, it was look, it was painful to watch. And and he thinks that
2: uh wearing sweats to to any of his Outings, right? Makes him closer
1: to the blue-collar the blue
2: collar workers.
1: Which, and to that point, right? So this guy, like, I'm sorry. One, he looks completely unprofessional. He walks around in a sweatshirt all the time because he thinks, to your point, that he's connecting to the blue-collar. But the guy literally comes from a very wealthy family, very, very wealthy background, has never held a job in his life. He lived in his parents' basement until his 40s. He was receiving a salary or a allowance, you could say, from his parents of $54,000. And this guy is going to sit here and somehow say he's in touch with the blue collar workers just by throwing on a sweatshirt and pandering to them. Like it's, and you, so you take all this stuff aside versus his mental faculties that this guy, when you watch him the debate, this was at his best, right? So they had the closed caption, all the stuff. He was at his best, at his prime, and he still couldn't even hold anything together. How is he going to influence politicians to his, his beliefs or his decisions? How is he going to influence and represent um, and listen to his constituents He like when he can't even hold the conversation? And at this point, I'm sorry, it's abuse from his wife. It's abuse from the Democrat Party. And this shows what they're doing to candidates by trying to pump these candidates out there that are empty vessels because they're not the ones Then they know. They won't be the ones that are pulling the strings, right? So, Sean, what are you? we saw two tests of this. We've seen this on Joe Biden. He's not pulling the strings. He doesn't even know where he is. There was just a, one of the speeches he was giving out in Pennsylvania. Kamala Harris had to make sure he didn't fall off the stage. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I mean
2: – it freezes up all the time too, but it's scary. Well, he, I
1: don't know. Maybe he's thinking about sniffing little girls or something, but it's – I mean it, he doesn't know where he is, so you have that as the president, and they're doing that same test case in Pennsylvania. They want people that be dark money lobbyists and the people pulling the strings behind the scenes that you never voted for to control everything that they're doing. And at this point, look, when you look at John, Joe Biden, John Fetterman, I'm like, heck, this is- What about- want, It's elder abuse at this point. <laughs> right? What about that like, guy in Utah? All right. Okay. So that's a good point, right? So here's another test case. So again, we need to be aware. Utah, wake up, right? So Utah, you have Senator Mike Lee, who is about as- almost as solid as they come in the Senate for a conservative and a biblical worldview. Like, and right, this guy has been very solid and yet he's having trouble and it's a real close race. I mean, he's still up, but it's close. I got to find the polling for Utah. Sean, if you could pull it. Well, Mike Lee is up, right? But what they're doing in Utah is running a guy as an independent, Evan McMullen or against him. Right. And this guy was a guy who ran as a Republican in 2020. He's ran as a Republican. Now he flips to pretend he's, and the second he loses a Republican, Kennedy, he runs as a independent. And what does he do from there? He's fully funded by the DNC. All that he uses the act blue funding platform. He, so everything he's very influenced from the Democrat party, but yet he's supposed to be an independent. And not to mention this guy is a former CIA and they pretend to be like, well, he was, he knows how to fight the deep state. And he was in the on in the dark, in on the inside. You need to be aware of this because, again, Mike Lee is a very solid conservative and probably one of my favorite senators. But you're running, they're running this as, a, this is another test case, right? So you have the empty vessel test in John Fetterman, Joe Biden. Um, I mean, heck, in Texas, you have an empty vessel in Beto O'Rourke. You put a quarter in the guy and he'll say anything you want. But look at Utah. So those are your empty vessel tests. Utah is trying to do a test of, We're going to run a guy who is really running socialist policies and fully funded by the Democrat Party as an independent and see if you are not paying attention and to see if they can get it over the finish line. So the Democrats are testing a few different models that people need to be aware of what's going on and how it turns out. Good news is they still got uh, Lee winning. Okay, good. I I mean, I know he was. I'm like, it's still... It concerns me even how again, because this is just another state that's important because of the test model the Democrats are trying to do there. All right, so another race, again, another possibility is really look, this is a really close, huge potential, and I'm gonna throw this out in New York. Is people in New York are waking up and they're pissed off because they've been affected by the COVID-19 policies, they've been affected by the high crime, they're being affected by the poor tax policies, poor decision making, the climate that they love supporting murdering unborn babies. That's exactly what Governor Kathy Hochul who, by the way, didn't get elected to begin with. She was appointed from being lieutenant governor previously. And when Andrew Cuomo in disgrace resigned. That one. So all the polls are showing Hako is winning, but Hocko, mm-hmm. uh um, Kathy Hokel. Yeah. So she's not even elected and now she finally gets the vote. And just for record, in the debate that last that, week, she that said that she would do everything the same flipped. way. And I think that's. That's as close as it's been in New York for a potential that Lee Zeldin, again, who has a very strong, solid conservative background and a strong rep, uh, he can be very strong for the state of New York. So that's another one to watch. Again, these ones we're saying, when you look at areas like Michigan, you look at areas like New York and Oregon, they're close, right? And they have potential to flip. And this could be a big, big awakening. In response for sending the message back to Washington, like you guys, no, you're not listening to anything we're saying, and we still are going to have a voice. Let's see what else we have. We have the neck and neck one, which, again, I don't even understand this at all. You have Georgia. You have Herschel Walker, who is right now up, according to Trevalga Group, 47.5 to 46.7 against Pastor Raphael Warnock. And we've talked about this guy a bunch of little times before. I mean, I don't, this guy, it's absolute abomination to where it's even that close in the state of Georgia for this guy. And I'm sorry, even if they try to walk out this piece last week that Herschel Walker paid for another abortion. Um, I don't understand where all these, I don't, I don't know if Hallmark has a greeting card section for abortions, but they all, these ones, they keep coming out. were like 30 years ago, Herschel Walker paid for an abortion on me and he wrote me a card from Hallmark. <laughs> Like, I, I didn't know there was that section of Hallmark, but here we are. So we'll see how that race turns out. But it really, like, that's a real, it should not be that close. The governor in Georgia, Brian Kemp, is still up 50.6 to 44.2 on Governor Stacey Abrams. I say governor because Stacey Abrams thinks she's the governor still, um, but she's not. She lost 2018 and she's going to lose again in 2022.
2: What was the number you had for them?
1: For Kemp and Abrams? Yeah. It, so Kemp right now, 50.6 to Stacy Abrams, 44.2.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So I think um, that might be an older one because there's a, a newer one from the 27th that has Kemp at 52 and Abrams at 43.
1: Okay. See, I like that one even better.
2: So, and it looks like it's, it spins slowly. Like it, you look through the, you know, the past Well, that's because she keeps open her mouth. Slowly going Like she keeps, for
1: Kemp. yeah, every time she opens her mouth, it gets Better for everyone else. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what is she? She's like, oh yeah, like what, what was the thing about abortion that she said? She's like, Oh, it's a manufactured sound at week six. You're it's the patriarchy trying to control a woman's body. I'm like, Lady, you guys oh, come yeah. from a per- party then, that pretends to love science? And that kids are the reason that
2: there's a that people can't oh, yeah. manage
1: inflation. Yeah, it's yeah. So again, keep talking, Stacey Abrams. You're helping yourself. Blues. Again, I don't know. Maybe she's going for the Hillary Clinton model. Be like a multiple-time loser and never go away. But she also, just like Hillary Clinton, identifies herself as a governor or president. Um, All right. So one more. Let's see. Okay. The Washington Senate race. So there's a Washington Senate race uh, between Democrat Patty Murray and Republican Tiffany Smile. Tiffany Smile. This could be a very interesting one to watch for a Senate out of Washington. This wasn't one. This was one that was not even supposed to be close. Mm. And just this recent October one polling data: uh, Patty Murray forty nine point four, Tiffany Smile forty eight point two. That could be another one that could be a big upset and flip to go red. And if it does turn this way, it could be a cleaning house to have the House and the Senate go in red.
2: See, so uh, yeah, Washington's another one of those where the Senate could go red, but yeah. the governor will stay blue
1: hmm right which is yeah which awkward again i still very awkward to me but um so yeah let's see before we end, we start wrapping up but we got is there any other race where is texas at right now <laughs> and i only say this not because i think texas is go- texas needs is going to wake up and is going to show up and go still stay red for governor abbott but people need to be very aware that the democrats have a full-fledged idea that if they flip texas there's no there's no path for Republicans if they flip Texas, and they know that. And they're hoping there is a very, very blue demographic that is younger generationally moving into Texas, and that's what their hope is upon. They're focusing yeah, the, on the longer term.
2: The current polls for Texas, uh, the last one, 50% Abbott, 44% O'Rourke, and that's from a a, a liberal school, the University of Texas. So,
1: oh, Okay. So that went from out of UT? Okay. The wonderfully liberal University of Texas... Look, there's a couple, there's a bunch of races across across the country. There's a lot going on, but we need to get out there and vote, right? I mean, Sean, I don't know. Is there any other poll that we wanted to hit?
2: I was just trying to skim through the most recent ones, um, but I think we got all the big ones. Yeah, I'm hopeful that I I like the the direction that you know a lot of the more conservative leaning folks are are going to win. I'm hoping that we see some flips right where we're expecting a blue and it ends up turning red that's what i'm hopeful for i'm hopeful that we get a bigger shift than what's already expected Um, but i think that one thing that people need to be clear is we still need to hold whoever's elected responsible for what they're being elected for right the last time we controlled the house and the senate from a conservative perspective nothing really got done and oh, that they were lame ducks. Those days of inefficiencies and, and just sticking with the status quo, I, I think, are out the door. We need to be more offensive in saying changes need to be brought and and actually followed through one.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, right? Because this is not like that time period, right? That was the Paul Ryan leaning with the Rep- House Republicans, and they're yep. absolute yep. disgraces, right? They're these, those are the do nothing Republicans, right? The new conservative movement is very much not that. And that's why the Mitch McConnell's and all these people don't understand what to do and they don't want to lose their power, right? So they're trying to fight their own party because they they don't want to lose power, but they also don't want to do their job, right? But the new conservative movement is very much focused on holding people accountable and literally you do what you say you're going to do, right? And you hold these values and certain things you uphold and fight for conservative values, not this... Jenny flecking because you want to get invited to some like black tie party that you're going to miss out on. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a very different movement today.
2: Right. One thing that does look exciting when, as I'm just going through these polling numbers, uh, just generic ballot polling, uh, done on the 27th by the Trafalgar group of, you know, are you leaning more Republican or more Democrat? 48% said Republican, 42% said Democrat. So yeah. um, that's a sign say, of, of the shift.
1: Yeah, and that's a that's a really good one. And I'll say just to close out from this piece, then, like one last thing that's a good sign for a shift that the Republican Party has never seen. Because um, when you stand for against crime, you stand for family values. You stand for truly loving your neighbor. There, there's a shift from USA Today. The to poll that said the GOP is getting forty percent of the Hispanic vote and twenty one percent of the Black vote, which if it's 21% of the black vote, the Democrats have no chance in heck of winning. Donald Trump might have even only carried 12% of the black vote and has 32% of Hispanic. And that was in the 2020 election. When you're talking 40 and 21%, yeah, that's you're talking about a definite, more of a bloodbath than a red wave. That's coming because people are waking up and they're not okay with what's going on in this country. But the, a lot of the left and Democrats, Joe Biden, they're not listening. I mean, again, neither is Mitch McConnell. So... <laughs> and that those numbers the margin for error in the poll was usually like 3.1 points this numbers those are out significantly outside the margin for error so yeah that that, that's where we'll close with that there's a big shift from the hispanic and black vote to the gop people are awakening and this is again as and from the same point with christians need to wake up be involved and have a voice and have an opinion and do not be afraid. And that's what we talked about. The reason why I laid in so heavily about what we were talking about is because it's important not to forget and not to stand and be uh, silenced and let them tell you what Christianity is and not let them tell you that you should not have a voice. Everyone, I want to just say thank you all. Have a great week. And remember to stand for truth, kneel for God, be the light. God bless America.